want the Lord to guide us. But if this is your first time, we've been in a series called Counterfeit here at New Hope Church. And first, we want to welcome you. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, and as we continue in our series, Counterfeit, we're going to be talking about the guidance of God. And I don't know about you, but there's, a, there's many things in the world today that likes to guide us. We know we, there's self-help books. There's uh, how-to articles. You can go online. You can Google things to help guide you. There's life hack videos on social media that likes to guide us. And then there's also classes, there's seminars, there's teachings. You know, and, and, the, and the thing is, guidance is so important because whatever guides us, it's going to lead us to where we either want to go or don't want to go. Guidance is supposed to be where we, we learn and, and we grow and we, and we get help. For example, if you're watching the fight last night, if Conor McGregor had no guidance, he wouldn't have lasted for 10 rounds. He would have got knocked out in the first. But because he had guidance, he was able to endure. You see, that's what guidance does. But the thing is, although there's things that like to guide us, it doesn't mean it leads us in the right direction. Sometimes it leads us in the wrong. And, and here's what I mean. You ever been sick before? Probably, right? If you haven't been sick before, that's a miracle. But it's like being sick. It's being like, it's, it's like this. Imagine you having a cough. Now, there are two ways you can get guided when you have a cough. You can either go to the doctors, and they'll see you. They'll, uh, they'll do some tests on you. They'll examine you. And then they'll say, hey, you have this. And then if your doctor's a really great doctor, he's going to say, hey, uh, he or she's going to give you medicine to help you with your symptoms. So that's one way you can get guided. The other way is you can go online, type in your symptoms, and then find out you have bubonic plague. You can, you can type in, I have dry eyes, and it's, oh my goodness, it's catastrophe. Or, my hair is turning white. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> See, the thing is, there's many things that can guide us. But, what does it guide us to? See, what guides us is just important as where it leads us. You see, this morning, as we continue in our counterfeit series, this entire series, we've had this one scripture as our, kind of like our, our foundation. And it's been this, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Now, here's what we have to remember. We have to remember that although there are many things that can help guide us in life, not all of them are of or from God. Because Satan too, Satan would love the opportunity to guide us in life. Satan would love the chance to say, hey, you know what? Let me guide you in life. I mean, think about it. Think about what took place uh, in the beginning of mankind, in the Garden of Eden. Right? God, God creates this perfect world. He creates this perfect world. And then he creates man and woman, and he tells them that he wants them to live life fully. And then, and then this is what happens. Now imagine this now. As, as God created Adam and Eve, he was actually with them, walking with them. And then this is what takes place. You find it in Genesis 3, verses 1 and 4. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, 
But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. You see, Satan loves to come in and guide us, because when he guides us, it leaves us a wreck. Because Satan would love, he would love nothing more than to guide you in your life. Because if he becomes the guidance in our lives, he'll ultimately lead us away from life. When Satan becomes our guidance in life, he leads us far from it. See, Satan's goal is that you would be led by anything or anyone other than God. And that's where the counterfeits come in. In our world today, there are so many counterfeits. There's so many counterfeits that try to guide us in life. But nothing compares to the Lord because he doesn't just guide us in life, he guides us to life. This morning, we're going to discover three decisions. Three decisions that help us receive God's guidance for our lives and what happens when you make those choices. And here's the first one. The first decision that we have to make is we have to seek him first all the way. Seek him first all the way. Now, Ephesians 1.17 says this, and we're going we're gonna to refer to this scripture throughout the message. But it says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And so why do we seek him first? Why do we seek him first all the way? Because in Matthew 6.33, it says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. You see, in the times that we need guidance the most, the real question is, where are we seeking? Where are we seeking? Now, let me tell you this morning, seeking is not the same as looking. Seeking is not the same as looking. Seek really means to search for or be in quest of. And let me explain it like this. How many of you are shopping Black Friday? Anybody? See, when it, goes to, when it comes to me, I love Black Friday shopping because I, I don't go to look. I go to seek and destroy. Okay? <laughs> like, 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 for real, like, so I'm the kind of guy that I actually prepare, like, months in advance for Black Friday. I'm the kind of guy that as soon as, like, as soon as uh, October comes in and we're getting towards the end of October, I'm already, like, looking online for what is, what's the Black Friday deals. And then when, when November comes in and, and it gets closer, I start looking online for where the stuff going to be in the store, the online maps for the store. And then when it comes to Thanksgiving, oh, we eat. I mean, we eat. I'll eat turkey. But at the same time, we're, we're strategizing. Okay, okay. And so you see, I've learned something. I've learned something in the, in the, in the last few years. I've learned that you don't, you don't go Black Friday shopping by yourself. You bring an army. Because that's how I seek to shop on Black Friday. And so a couple years ago was, was hilarious. We were actually picking stuff up for our youth ministry. We were picking up TVs and stuff like that. And, and, and so I didn't go by myself because I was like, there's like 10 things I want to get. So I brought like 10 of my friends. And so we, got, so I, we met up at, at, at the house. And so I'm like, okay, here's what I need you guys to do. I need you guys. I, okay, you, you're going here. This is where this is going to be. That's your job. Make sure you get it. Here, you go there. there for real. And then we get dropped off at Walmart, and then we make our way through the crowd, and then we stand in line. 
And then when the madness happens, I'm like, okay, guys. I'm like texting everybody on our phone like, okay, we got to get the stuff. We got to get the stuff. And then when the madness is over, I text everybody out, okay, where are you? Meet me here, round the viewpoint, right here. And then they text, and then I'm like, did you succeed? Did you get everything that we needed? Yes, all right, no. Why'd you fail? Why'd you fail? Well, because, you know, the, the auntie over there, she's like, oh, okay, you lucky. You're you showing Jesus, right? All right, okay. See, but, but that's the difference between seeking and looking. Listen, we don't play hide and look. Right? We don't play hide and look. We play hide and seek. Now, when I was a kid, I remember playing hide and seek, and we'd be like, uh, somebody, people would hide, and if you're the, seek, you're the seeker, you would look for the people that are, are hiding. And I remember when I was a kid, I would say, oh, I found you. Ha, 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 But then it evolved as I got older. Because we evolved the game where you can't just look at me and say, ha, ha, you found me. Now you got to chase me. Like, it got more intense. We evolved the game of hide and seek. Why? Because seeking is not just looking. Seeking is searching for and questing for. And when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to God, we got to do the same thing. We can't just look to Jesus. We got to seek him first all the way. See, when we seek God in the midst of life, the mist, the mist of counterfeit guides dissipates. Because when we seek God first, as well as his will for our lives, something real starts to develop. It's called faith. And faith in the arena of guidance produces the spirit of wisdom. That's what it says in Ephesians 1.17, when it says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom. You see, there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. God gives us his knowledge so that we can apply it to our lives. How many know people that know a lot of really weird, interesting, not really useful things? Don't point to the next person next to you. See, there's, there's a difference between knowledge and there's a difference between wisdom. Knowledge, a lot of times, is facts. But wisdom is when we take those facts, take, take, those, uh, take the knowledge and apply it to our lives. Knowledge is not the same as wisdom. Because, for example, how many know that tomato is a fruit? How many know that tomato is a fruit? Okay. How many of you put the tomato in your fruit salad? Nobody, put fruit, nobody puts a tomato in their fruit salad. Nobody puts their tomato with their apples and their grapes and their cantaloupe and their watermelon. Nobody, if you do that, that's weird. <clears throat> but Jesus loves you, and that's awesome. And let me know if it tastes good. But you see, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. It says it like this in Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then it continues. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. You see, the guidance of God isn't that we know everything. The guidance of God isn't that we know everything. The guidance of God is understanding that we seek the one that does. The guidance of God 
is seeking the one who knows everything. See, that, and that's a beautiful thing because I don't know about you, but I don't know a lot of stuff. I don't know a lot of things. I am not a very, very, very smart guy. But thank the Lord that I don't need to be because he gives me his wisdom. Don't, wives, don't look to your husband and say, ha, that's you. <laughs> but you see, that's the thing. We don't, when we have the wisdom of God, we don't need to know everything because we know him. And then, as we live our lives seeking God and applying his wisdom, we experience lesser and lesser moments when we is them. See? I'm going to say that one more time. Hold on. <laughs> as we live our lives seeking God and applying his wisdom, we experience lesser and lesser moments when we is them. Right? Thank you, guys. You guys are so kind. But that's the truth. Because as we continue to seek him first all, uh, uh, all the way, as we seek him first all the way, in other words, not only do we seek the Lord, but when we actually take his word, take his guidance, and apply it in our lives, that truly is wisdom. That's truly wisdom. The second point is this, that we pursue him through everything. That we pursue him through everything. First Peter 2 21 says it like this, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. Now, here's what I want you to do this morning. Circle that word suffering. Circle that word suffering. Because the truth is, we don't like that word. We don't like that word suffering. I'm going to guarantee there's nobody that woke up this morning and said, holy Lord, I want to suffer today. Like, Lord, just bring the suffering. Nobody did that this morning. If you did that, wow. But we don't, because the thing is, we don't like that word because we don't like suffering. We don't like suffering. We'll, we'll, take, we'll take easy, right? We'll take, we'll take relaxed. We'll take comfortable, but not suffering. And in fact, we want easy, we want comfortable, we want relaxing so much that when it comes to suffering, we often will look for things that lead us away from suffering. And here's the thing, when we look to God for guidance, there's going to be moments, there's going to be moments where we're going to face a storm and God's going to say, hey, you know what, That's a, there's a lot of suffering, there's a lot of chaos there, I'm going to lead you away from that. There's going to be moments where God in his guidance is going to lead us away from the storms. But also let it be known that there's going to be moments that he's going to direct us through the storm. He's going to guide us through the storm. I remember, uh, how many of you ever watched the movie Twister? Twister with the tornadoes. I remember being a kid, and I loved that movie. I loved that movie so much that I actually told my mom, I want to be a storm chaser. Yeah? And then I found out we don't have tornadoes in Hawaii. And I was like, ah, and so, but I remember watching this, and if you, if you haven't watched the movie, the movie is basically a story about a bunch of scientists, uh, uh, storm chasers. I was thinking of a scientific name. I was like, is it meteorologists? No, they weren't meteorologists. But anyway, there are, a bunch of, there are a bunch of storm chasers, and their whole heart was they wanted to develop the science to predict when tornadoes or twisters were going to happen 
before they happened so that they could save the towns and the people. Now, you know what's interesting is this. It was a very entertaining movie, but here's a lesson I learned from that. The only way they could help people, the only way they could prepare people for the storm that was coming, the only way that their goal was going to be accomplished is if they chased the storm. They couldn't sit at a desk and do it. They couldn't be far from it. They had to be in it. I mean, I love that we're at the, sorry, I'm going to spoil it, but at the very end, in order for the science to actually work, they had to go in the tornado. Their devices had to go into the tornado. You see, that's the thing. We don't, we don't, when a storm comes, we don't want to go anywhere near it, but a lot of times God is going to say to you and I, are you willing to pursue me? Are you going to let me guide you through it? Not over it, not around it, but through it. You know, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Jesus calms the storm. And you can find it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I love this story because, and, and for those of you who don't know the story, it's, it's very simple. In, in this story, Jesus is with his disciples. And as, it, as he's with his disciples, they're on the lake and they're in a boat. And as they're making their way to the next destination, Jesus falls asleep. He starts sleeping. And as Jesus is sleeping, a storm comes upon the disciples in the boat. And the wind starts howling. The waves start crashing. And the disciples are in the boat freaking out. Like they're, like, they're thinking they're about to die. They're thinking they're about to drown. And so they go to Jesus, who's still sleeping. He didn't wake up. And, Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, wake up. Can you do something? I mean, we're going to drown. Do you not care? And then Jesus gets up. And he, and he just says, and he just reaches his hand and he says, be still. And instantly, the wind, the waves are calm. And then he looks at his disciples and says, where's your faith? And then the disciples look at each other and they're like, who is this guy, who is, who is this guy that, that even has the power and authority to, to calm the winds and the waves? Who is this guy? No, there's a lot of things I take from that story, but, but one of them that, that we're going to use today is this. Notice how as the boat was going through the storm, notice how the, the waves and the winds were, were wrecking that boat. Notice how none of the disciples jumped out. Like, I don't know about you, but... But if there's a storm going on and, and, and it's, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to know, how come none of the disciples jumped out of the boat? No, they weren't willing to jump out of the boat. Although they're faithless and fearless, they stayed in the boat. Why? Because Jesus was there. How many times do we jump out of the boat? How many times do we freak out and go, man, I, I, I can't handle it? And the whole time, Jesus is like, but I'm about to show you who I really am. You go through, the, you, you let me guide you through this storm. I'm going to show you who I really am. That yes, I have the power and authority to do things that you cannot even imagine. That where you think miracles can't happen, I'm going to bring miracles. Where healing can't happen, I'm going to bring healing. See, I love that. And I love the fact that, that it, the Bible clearly states that the disciples were, were faithless at that moment. I mean, Jesus calls it out. Where's your faith? I mean, they're so fearful. But they still let Jesus guide them. You see, it's when we pursue God, even in the midst of storms, that the revelation or truth of God is revealed. That's why it says it in Ephesians 
the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You see, he wants us to walk with him over the hills and through the valleys of life so that we can receive true blessings. James 1.12 says it like this, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. You see, counterfeits, counterfeits, guys that like to counterfeit, they guide us with a false promise of blessings. I mean, think about it, right? Oh, if you, if you do this, this will happen. If you attend this seminar, you're going to become instantly successful or rich. Oh, if you, if you listen to this life hack, you're going to make life so much easier. See, counterfeits like to guide us by giving us false promises of blessings. But the guidance of God, the guidance of God leads us to blessings of promise. To blessings of promises, no matter what the circumstance. See, the guidance of God doesn't say, hey, uh, I'm not going to give you false promises. I'm not going to bless you with false promises. Instead, I'm going to bless you with real promises. Promises like, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Promises like, be strong and courageous, for I, the Lord your God, is with you. Promises like, with God, nothing is impossible. See, these aren't, these aren't just scriptures. These aren't just words. These are promises from God. That when, when we actually allow him to guide us in the midst of storms, he says, watch what's going to take place. Because if you look at me rather than your circumstances, if you're going to let your circumstances guide you, I can't do that. But if you let me guide you, I can bring you through anything. When we pursue God through everything, he becomes our focus, not the situation. This past, uh, this past couple weeks ago, this past beginning of the school year in our Relentless Youth Ministry, I shared with our, our youth that, you know, you guys, you're starting a brand new school year. And although you're starting a brand new school year, it doesn't mean that it's going to go the way you want. It doesn't mean that life is going to be easy. It doesn't mean that it's, it's going to be all bad. But it means it's going to be life. And with life, there are going to be times of triumph, but there's also going to be times of messiness. And I told him this. I told him, listen, oftentimes we don't like messiness. But oftentimes in life, it's the messiest moments in life that God gives us the greatest blessings in life. That oftentimes it's in the messiest times of life that God says, I'm about to bring you the greatest blessings in it. And I shared with them this. There's a promise behind it. Because the greatest blessing that you and I will ever receive came in the midst of the greatest mess when Jesus went to the cross. Because that was super messy. Friends betrayed him. Wrongly accused. Body beaten and broken. Death. And in the midst of it came God's greatest blessing for you and I. Forgiveness. Wholeness. And his representation of his love for us. See, are we willing to let God pursue us through everything? Are we, or are we, too, are we too guided by the counterfeits of life? And the third thing is this. The third, the third point is this. We got to love him to the point of surrender. We got to love him to the point of surrender. 
I just love them. Like to the point of surrender. Proverbs 23, 26 says it like this. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. Let me ask you, if the guidance that we're seeking in our life doesn't come from love, then where is it coming from? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be guided from, by anything else other than love. I don't want to, I don't want, because if it's not love, then I know for a fact it ain't God. But I want to be, I want to be guided by love. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting as parents, uh, we, we use that phrase, right? Oh, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. But we mean it out of love. You know, I, I never realized what my mom meant by that until I became a parent. And uh, I had to discipline my daughter. Now, I discipline my daughter all the time because she no listen. Right? <laughs> but there's this one moment where uh, I understood why we say this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. I remember as a kid, um, you know, you remember your parents tell you, don't put your hand on the stove. Why? Because you can get burnt. Right? And so my mom was, was, was the kind of woman that if you never listen because you're going to get hurt, she was gonna get, she was, you're going to get hurt anyway because she was going to give you spanking. And so, she, but she would always say, it's because I want you to understand that what I'm doing right now is because I love you. I don't want you to get hurt. And so that was hammered into me as a kid. Well, my daughter, Caitlin, who's now four years old, I think she was two, though, at the time, um, I, I, I disciplined her. And there was a reason for it. Uh, we were at a graduation party. And uh, my fam, Katie, my wife, and her in-laws, they were, they were helping set up. And I wasn't there until later. So I, I came because I had the photo booth stuff and some supplies that I had to bring. And so I was uh, coming in, and there's a setting up for this, this uh, graduation party. Uh, I make my way in, and I see my daughter, Caitlin, who's just walking around, cruising around with Papa and, you know, Jaja. And, and, and they're, just, they're just hanging out and all this and that. And then I see her. And my daughter... Because she loves me, she sees me coming in, and she yells, Daddy! And so I'm driving. I'm driving in, and I tell her, Okay, Caitlin, stay over there. Stay over there, baby. Okay, stay by Papa. Okay? And so she goes, and then I start to, I, I pull in, and I'm starting to reverse. Now, like I said, I was, carry, I was bringing in the photo booth supplies, so the back of my van I couldn't see out of. And I'm so thankful that that day, at that very moment, my window was down. Because normally I play music, I have the AC on, but at that moment, my window was down because all of a sudden, as I'm reversing, I hear everybody yell, Caitlin! And I stopped. And I looked, and my daughter's behind my van. Had nobody yelled, I would have ran over my daughter. So I came out of the car, and she being, and everybody's running there. Everybody's running there, and they're, and they're yelling at her, and I'm yelling at her. And in the midst of it, I pick her up, and I look at her, and I squeeze her tight, and I say, don't you ever do that again. Because as mad as I was, I was more grateful that, of the fact that she was alive. And I told her, you need to listen to Dad. 
You need to listen to me. I'm not telling you to do, I'm not telling you stuff so that you don't have fun or joy. I'm telling you this so that your life gets saved because I love you. And you know what's interesting is the fact that God says that to us each and every moment because he loves us. And a lot of times we shut him out. Because we don't want, because Lord, what you're saying right now, I don't want it. Or it's sore, or you're scolding me. You're angry at me. No, God, God, can I say this to you this morning? If you think God's angry at you, listen, God's anger for you was paid on the cross. God's anger for you was paid on the cross. He loves you. And all he wants for us is to follow him, to listen to him, to love him to the point of surrender. See, it's easy to say that we love someone, but are you willing to surrender to them? Are you willing to give them? I mean, think of, like for, for me, I learned it. I learned that's what marriage is all about. When Katie and I got married, uh, I remember our wedding day was right here. Pastor Sheldon was officiating. And so he read from the Bible, and some of you heard that where in the Bible, in the book of Ephesians, he says, wives, submit to your husbands. And I was like, <laughs> The Bible tells you you got to submit. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is going to be a beautiful thing. Katie's going to have to do whatever I say. And then I realized Pastor Sheldon wasn't done yet. <laughs> and then he says, husbands, you are to love your wives as Christ loved the church. Oh, man, wh- what does that even mean? Well, you know what it means? It means I understand that Katie surrenders to me as the head of the household. And I understand that me as the head of the household, I surrender to God for Katie. Why? Because I love her. Because if I want to lead her, I want to lead her out of love, nothing else. In the same way, God is calling you and I to do that. that we're not just saying we're going to love him, but are we willing to surrender to him? Are we willing to give him everything? Because here's the thing. God doesn't want to just guide us in the area of family or work. He doesn't just want your finances or your health. See, when it comes to the guidance of God, God wants all of us. He wants every part. I remember uh, one of my friends, Pastor Brandon Ahu from uh, Oahu, he was here a couple years ago at Legacy, our high school camp, and he gave this really great illustration. And on stage, there were so many uh, doors and things, and, and he had a sign on each of them, and it said, keep out, do not enter. And so what he was sharing about was that, you know, what doors are we not, what, what, what are we not uh, giving to God? What are, what are we keeping locked? What are we keeping hidden from God? And that, that stays with me to this day because I think about it. What doors in my life am I saying, God, you can't have? Because the thing is, when it comes to surrender, you, we're giving everything. We got to give everything. We can't just say, hey, God, you know, I'm, I love you, Lord. I love you so much, but you know what? That door right there, sorry, it's going to be cold. Sorry, <laughs> you can't go in. I, Jesus, Jesus, you, I, I love you. I want you in my life, but you know what? I'm just not going to give you that. Listen, you can't, we can't expect God to guide us through doors we're not willing to open. We can't expect God to guide us through doors that we're not willing to open. 
That's what it means in Ephesians 1.17 where he says to get to know him better. When you love someone, you let them in because they love you and they want in. Luke 9.24 says it like this, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. You see, when we, when we love God to the point of surrender, it's no longer about me. It's about he. And when we transition from we to he, he not only guides us to life, but gives us life. There's many counterfeits that will try and lure us. But counterfeits are only life hacks that are going to leave our life whack. The guidance of God is surrendering all to Jesus because he isn't a life hack, he just impacts. And when it comes to life, we all need guidance. And we can get caught up in the counterfeits. We can check out the self-help books, we can read magazines, we can read articles online, we can check out social media, we can go to seminars and classes and all those things. And the reality is, I'm not, I'm not saying they're all bad. What I am saying is this. They might help us a little, but they will leave a void. They will leave a void. Because counterfeits will make us think we don't need God. Counterfeits are going to make us think we don't need God. And they'll lead us in life, but not to have life. And that's why we need God. 1 John 5.21 says it like this. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. See, God wants to guide you by having a relationship with you. And that's why he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to lead us through life to life. And the guidance of God leads us to Jesus being our Lord and Savior. Because when we find ourselves lost in the midst of life, the truth becomes clear. Lord, I need you. See, the truth is, we all need God. We all need Jesus. Because life is real. Life is hard. Life is good. But each and every one of us, we're going to go through moments when we don't know what to do. But where do we go from here? And maybe you're here this morning and that's you. Maybe you're facing something in your life right now and you're like, I don't know what to do. I, I did everything else. I checked out everything. I read all the books, saw all the videos, but it's not enough. It's not helping me. It's not guiding me to where I want to go. What the Lord is saying to you and I, it's because we need him. But the guidance of God is only going to come if we choose to let him guide us. Because the starting point to the guidance of God is going to come at the end of me. God's only going to be able to guide us fully when we fully give him us. When we seek him first all the way, when we pursue him through everything, we love him to the point of surrender. You know, the Bible says, if you look throughout the entire Bible, through the Old Testament, the New, there's one word, four letters. It's Lord. 
That word Lord isn't something for us to take lightly. Lord really means in control. Maybe this morning you're here and what God is putting on your heart is, listen, you know how much I love you. But if you want me to guide you, I have to be your Lord, not just your Savior. Are you willing to give me everything? Are you willing to unlock all the doors in your life so that I can walk you and guide you through it? Understanding that I will be with you no matter what happens, no matter what the circumstances. That as you continue to seek after me all the way, as you apply me, my teachings, my words, my spirit into your life, then I will truly, truly show you what it is to have life. Start with us saying, Lord, I need you. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, that's our prayer this morning. And Lord, we want to be guided by you, Lord. That we don't want to be guided by anything counterfeit or not of you. That although things in the world might, might do good things, Lord, we, we want you to do God things in our lives. We want you to guide us. And the only way that happens, Lord, is if we let you our Lord and Savior. Lord, there may be some of us here this morning and we're going through times right now in our lives that we have questions. We have concerns. We have worries. We have doubt. But now we come to you saying, Lord, I need you. I want you. I want to be guided by you, Lord. I'm done with the counterfeits because life is real and so are you. So is your love. And with everybody's eyes closed and heads bottom, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to just say a prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me and although you're going to say the words, I, I just mean it with everything that you, that you got. Say it with all your heart, with everything that you are. Lord Jesus, I receive you this morning as my Lord and Savior as my Lord because I give you control to guide me in my life no matter what and as my Savior because you came to save me to give me eternal life because you love me thank you for washing my sins for taking me by the hand and leading me to the life that you want for me because you love me. And from this moment on, I choose to seek, pursue, and love you with all that I am. In Jesus' name. I have to repeat after this, but I'm going to ask everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed. If you said that prayer for the first time, if you said, if you made that moment your moment where you're saying, Lord Jesus, I want you to come into my life and I want you to guide me because I need you. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask in, a, in an act of faith, in an act of saying, Lord, that's me, and acknowledging, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand and you say, Lord, because you're saying, that's, that's me, Lord. 
As you raise your hand, you're saying, Lord, that's me. I choose you to guide me for the rest of my life as my Lord and as my Savior. Yes, good. See your hands here. See your hands there. Lord, when we call you that from now on, Lord, let it be a reminder that you are the one that guides us. We thank you so much, Lord. You can put your hands down. Lord, we, we thank you, Lord. And Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do in our lives. So Jesus, come and continue to work and work and work. We no longer follow the counterfeits. Jesus, we follow you. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We look forward to what you're going to do in our lives for the rest of our days. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.